1: over the next few weeks, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? And I'm going to prove to you that actually there's, because there's, most people understand that terminology, can I get a witness? Meaning, well, I know what it is when you take the witness stand. I mean, I, I know what it is when, when you witness something and you tell others about it. That's what we're talking about today, that you have experienced the grace of Jesus Christ and, and you're, you're able to tell others about what God through his son Jesus, did in your life. That is called evangelism, or witnessing, or soul winning, we could say. So I'm going to help you, and I'm going to show you reasons that, that this is so important in our generation, in our world today. In fact, let me let me say this, that what I'm about to start teaching for the, for the next half an hour as we go through this together, that... That there's not going to be a lot of laughs associated. And if you know me, I'm I'm a very lighthearted guy. It's who I am. I love to laugh. I'm always smiling. Uh, Just the joy of the Lord is in in my life. And and today's subject matter, though, I'm going to reveal to you some things today. And I'm going to tell you before I even do, that this has been on my heart for a very, very long time. In fact, long before my wife and I even started New Song Church, it was on my heart. that I'm brokenhearted, I'm brokenhearted about people who don't know Jesus, it breaks my heart, and it breaks my heart that many Christians, in fact, the majority of Christians, are not passionate about sharing their hope and salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. It breaks my heart, breaks my heart. And I'm so glad to be a part of a church that's a life-giving, vibrant, growing church where we, we, have, we have baptized, as you know, since we started a new song, hundreds upon hundreds of people we've baptized. That's not just the people who responded and said, hey, I'm going to accept Christ as Savior. Those are the ones that actually made that public confession to get in the tank and allow us to dunk them in front of other people, to be baptized, water baptized. Hundreds and hundreds of them. And I'm so, I'm so proud of you for that. But I want to challenge you. And this is going to be a challenge. And I really believe that, that the Lord would ask all of us, hey, can I just get a witness? Can I just get a witness in this generation? Can I just get a witness from you and your circle of influence? And let, let me, let me share, share this with you. Number one, I want you to write this down. That making disciples... Disciples meaning followers of Christ. Making disciples is the heartbeat of God. That that it's it's always in God's mind. He's always thinking about it. it. It is something that he focuses on every moment of every day. It is the heartbeat of God making disciples. Helping people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, place their trust in Jesus Christ, and then follow Jesus Christ all of their days. It's the heartbeat of God. And it should be our heartbeat, too, because we are a reflection of our Heavenly Father in this world. And I'm going to give you some statistics here from Barna Research Group. Barna is one of the, the leaders, in, as far as statisticians go, especially in the, in the Christian world. Field in the Christian world. And George Barner writes lots of books about what's happening in our current culture and how it changes over the course of time. And these are very, very accurate. You can look at them yourself if you go to his website. That's where I got all of these from. So according to the Barner Research Group, I want you to listen to this, that 47% of practicing Christians, let's stop right there, that practicing Christians are those who say that I not only believe in Jesus, but I'm actively living out my faith. I not only believe in Jesus, but I'm actively living out my faith. I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible, I'm I'm going to church, I'm I'm doing what most Christians would do. He has really three categories, practicing Christians, and then Christians who who say that they're Christians, but there's really no evidence that supports that, and then, of course, non-Christians. So 47% of practicing Christian millennials, approximately ages 25 through 40, say, everybody, that evangelism or pointing others to Jesus is wrong. Not that for, not, not 47% think that evangelism is uncomfortable, but 47% of those ages 25 to 40 who, are, who, who say they're practicing Christians, who are actively living out their faith, they look at evangelism and say, actually, I just think evangelism wrong, is wrong. Telling others about Jesus, I just believe, is wrong. That should break your heart. To me, that's very scary. And let it never be said of new song that any of us would think it's wrong to share our faith. Can you believe, let this sink in, almost half of the next generation thinks that sharing their faith in Christ it's not just uncomfortable, but it's wrong. Now, I can tell you why I think part of that is the case, and it's the ne- the next stat that I'm going to give you. It's right here in your nose. Sixty-five percent of those Christian millennials believe people today are more likely to take offense if they share their faith than in the past, meaning 65% say people are more likely to be offended if I tell them about Jesus. Therefore, I'm just not going to tell them about Jesus. I just think it's wrong because I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to be offensive, so I just think it's wrong to tell other people about Jesus or else I'm so uncomfortable with it, I'm just probably not going to do it. So what you're telling me then, if that's you, if you just say, well, I don't want to be offensive, like I love Jesus, but I don't want to be offensive. So what you're saying is that you're more concerned about being offensive than you are about the fact that if they don't know Jesus, they end up in an eternity in hell. That you're more worried about offending somebody And you give that more credit or more thought than the reality of heaven and the reality of hell and the finality of heaven and the finality of hell. You're more concerned with offending somebody. Well, pastor, I just don't like to offend, but you're okay if they go to hell. That should get your attention. I told you today wouldn't be a lot of laughs. But that's why I'm doing this in the summer, because you're the core, B- because you, you're going to come back next Sunday morning anyway, because you know what I'm saying is right, and you're not offended by it. In fact, you're challenged by it, because you're part of the core. Let's go on. 64% of 20-somethings have already dropped out of church. So, 64% of those who were raised in the church, meaning having dropped out of church, means that they were part of the church. They were raised in church, they were attending church, but they hit their 20 somethings, they go into college, they go into their career. 64% just drop out of the church. Parents, that's alarming. It's alarming. Grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, that's alarming. 64%. You will say, well, pastor, I, I don't know that church's attendance is really not that important. It doesn't mean they're not a Christian. But you know, is church attendance really that important? Can I tell you something? If you, if you love Jesus and are passionately devoted to Jesus, wouldn't you be devoted to the very thing that he's devoted to as well? Because I didn't create the church. It's not my design. It's his design. The Lord designed the church. So why would you reject something That the Lord designed and said it's good for you to be a part of it. In fact, you need to be in it. Over and over and over again. We read that in scripture. I'll share more in a second. What's this? Currently, only 25% of Americans are practicing Christians. In which they say, I actively live out my faith. 25%. 45% was the number just 22 years ago. So at this rate, we are dropping 1% every year of people who are actually practicing or living out their faith. So in 10 years from now, do the math, if that trend continues, in 10 years from now, only 15% of people who say they're Christians are actually living out their faith 15% in 10 years. If that trend continues, that should make you, that that should bother you. The very thought of that should bother you. Another one, another one. The average Christian family attends church just once a month. I get this question a lot. How big is New Song? I don't know. I've told you that. I don't know. Like today, we might have 700 people here today. But there's about 1,000 that say New Song is their church home. Or at least I would say it this way. There's about 1,000 people who show up in their world regularly. Regular regular meaning once every month, once every two months. There's about 1,000 people. There's about 1,200 people that say New Song is their church home. Well, I, I, I go to New Song. Well, who's the pastor? Oh, yeah, what is his name, John? I don't remember. Well, I, I don't know, Sue. What is his name? I can't. See, see what I'm saying? They say New Song is, can I tell you something? When people are having, and this happens all the time, happens all the time, where I will get a phone call and somebody's in a very tragic moment in their life and it's heartbreaking. They're, they're suffering in some way. Say, Pastor, we really need your help. You know, we're, we're part of the New Song family. And they tell me their name. And I don't know them from the man in the moon. I don't know their name. I, I go to my wife or I go to our bookkeeper and say, hey, are they in the system? Have they, are, do they have kids that are involved? Because you have to be, you know, we have record of every parent who checks through in their kids. Is there any type of giving record? And they come back and say, we have no record at all that they've ever been to our church. We have no record at all. And yet in their minds... Well, of course you're, you're, of course you're my pastor. Of course this is my church. There's about 1,200 of those. The average Christian family considers themselves to be a regular church tender if they just go once a month. And yet the Bible says over and over and over again, that we, are, that we are meant to come together and to worship God together, to build one another up in the faith, to encourage each other up in the faith. That we have gifts that we can share with each other and prayers that are meant to be prayed over one another. That we are together and worship the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, together corporately, not just individually. And it's for our good that we're there for one another, that we're living life together. That's the way it's meant to happen. But most Christians don't live that life. And I'm so proud of you for being here. Middle of July, everybody, and you're here. Well done. Well done. But you know what I'm talking about. People don't really need the church until they need the church. You know know what I'm saying? Well, I don't really need the church. Until on their worst day, it's picking the phone, Pastor Justin, do you remember me? And I want to say, no, I don't know you. I'm here to help you anyway. And we do. And we love them as if they're here every single Sunday. We serve them as if they're here every single Sunday. But I get phone calls like that at least once a week, everybody. At least once a week. And on those days, you got to know that they wish they were actually a part of our church. Say, boy, pastor, you're you're really kind of down and down on all of us today. I mean, you're kind of just bumming us out here. It's going to get better. Just hang hang in there, will you? I'm going to read a portion of scripture. In fact, as I set this foundation for the next two weeks, I'm going to, Read a portion of scripture that probably if you, if you are fluent in Christianese, if you grew up in Sunday school, you're going to know this portion of scripture like, oh, I, I know that. And I want to I say that if, if you recognize these portions of scripture, you're like, well, I, I remember that from Sunday school. I remember that, that was talked about all the time or growing. There's a reason for that. How many know in Sunday school, that's where they teach you the foundational verses, that's where they, they teach you the, the foundations that you're supposed to build your life upon. And so a lot of you are going to look back you're like, I remember that. I, I remember learning that or I've heard that my whole life. Well, there's a reason for that because it's so foundational and it's very important for us to pay attention to it. And it's Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. That's where we're going to start. Jesus went through all of the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So he was just good to people. Can I tell you something? He was good to people whether they, whether they believed in him or not. He was just good to people. And he loved people. And when he saw the crowds, this has been a defining verse for New Song for many, many years. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So if, when, my, when my wife and I moved to Plymouth 18 years ago, and we started praying about planting New Song, starting New Song, and, and, and we started praying over the city and praying over north central Indiana, I asked God a question, God, who, who, who's here? Like, what are they dealing with? What are they struggling with? How, how am I supposed to pastor people in this city? And the Lord gave me this verse of scripture many, many, many years ago, that they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And for many years, our motto here at New Song was real hope, real help. And it was because of this verse that our, our, our area, Plymouth, Marshall County, Stark County, Kosciuszko County, uh, St. Joe County, we have people coming from all counties, Fulton County. We have people coming, you know, we have families coming all the way from Warsaw, from LaPorte, from South Bend, from Rochester, and every little town in between. We have them from everywhere. And, and I praise God for that. And and, and God is putting us together for a reason, and it's to make a difference for those who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, as he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He said to his disciples, this is Jesus, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. You might want to circle that or underline it. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. The first thing that Jesus says in teaching him about the harvest field, he's saying, hey, the first thing we got to do, we got to pray. I want you guys to pray. In fact, he's pointing something out. And I'm going to point it out to you as well, New Song. If Jesus was standing here this morning and we were having a Matthew chapter 9 moment, he would be looking at all of us and saying, hey, look, look, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. People who haven't trusted in me, they're everywhere. Look, 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 look. I see, Jesus. What do I do? Well, you need to pray. First of all, you got to pray. Let me ask yourself, in fact, write this down. Ask yourself this, and I really want you to ask yourself this. If God answered all of your prayers, every single one of them, would the world be changed or just your circumstances? And I could stop right there and you could walk away with something to chew on all week long. If God answered every single one of your prayers, would the world be changed or just your circumstances? Would your world be better or would the world be better? Now, ask yourself that question honestly. Not the way that you would want to answer, but the way you would actually answer. If Jesus was standing here today asking you that question, would you be able to look at him in the eyes and say, Jesus, I've been praying for this community. I've been praying for North Central Indiana. I've been praying for the world. Or would you be telling a lie if you said that? Welcome to summer <laughs> 2022 at New Song. How many of you challenged her already? You're challenged already. And I just thought it would be well of us because part of my responsibility as pastors is to help you to live the life that God has called you to live and to teach you how to do that. And I thought it'd be well of us not just to talk about that, but to actually do it. And I'm gonna pray right here, right now, for the lost. Heavenly Father, help us see the lost as you see them. I pray for Plymouth for all of Marshall County, for all of the surrounding counties, for North Central Indiana. God, we need an awakening in our communities. And I pray for our neighbors, for our friends, for our coworkers, for those around us that we don't even know. God, give them ears to hear what your spirit would say to them. And give them a heart to receive the truth that would be spoken to them, the truth about Jesus Christ. And I pray that they would surrender their lives to you. Lord, I pray for nothing less than a great move of your spirit in North Central Indiana and in our nation and around the world. May the lost come to know you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Number two, I'm sorry, number three, write this down. That when I see what Jesus sees, I'll do what Jesus says. And I've been saying this for years. When I see what Jesus sees, I'll do what Jesus says says, what does he say? Pray and go. Ask the Lord of the harvest that that workers would be sent out. See, Jesus, when he looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were helpless. They were hopeless. And I'm praying for you, New Song, this whole week. I've just dedicated myself this coming week to pray for you every single day that you would have eyes to see what the Spirit of God would show you. Because I can't, I can't go anywhere without thinking thoughts of whomever I'm speaking with. Do you know Jesus, though? Like, do you know Jesus? Are you going to spend eternity in heaven? Or are you not? I can't go anywhere without thinking those thoughts. You say, well, pastor, I'm just not built like, like that. You should be. You should be. Every Christian should be. It's been said that you're either a missionary or a mission field. One or the other. Well, pastor, I'm just not passionate about that. But you should be, though. It should be an ongoing thought in your head everywhere I go. I'm just looking for opportunities to share to share Jesus, to point people to Jesus. I'm looking for opportunities all the time, and I'm making the most of them when they come up. In fact, I was speaking to somebody this, this past week. My mom and I, we tag-teamed on somebody, and we didn't even know it, everybody. I mean, uh, we, we, we came, we, we were speaking with somebody, and I started talking with this gentleman, and he's like, yeah, your mom has already been talking to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, she's a spunky little thing, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. And if you know my mom, she is. And, and and my mom and I, we both have the same heart. We love, we love God and we love people. And 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 having people accept the lordship of Jesus Christ and trust in Him as Savior, it's of utmost importance to us. And he said, you guys are both, you guys are both targeting me. I said, I don't think it's us. I think it's God. He He knows your number. And it's ready, he's ready for you. Just to accept him, just to trust in him. Just to reject the way you're living life and experience life in abundance through Christ. You're Like, well, pastor, I, I can't do that. Well, I'm gonna help you with that in a second. Because you can. See, when we see what Jesus sees, we'll do what Jesus says. Some of us are so self-absorbed with things in our life, the things that we want, want, the things that we pursue, that we fail to see, that Jesus isn't Lord in the lives of others. And if he's not, that there is a very real and a very final hell in which they will spend eternity. And it has to be, it must be at the forefront of our thinking of who we are as believers in Christ. Because Jesus isn't just your personal savior. He's everybody's savior. Let me say it a different way. He's the only savior. And if they don't know Jesus, then they will not spend eternity in heaven. But they're such a good person. That's not the way it works. The Bible says on our best day, our righteousness is like filthy rags on our very best day. Meaning nobody in this room, nobody watching online is holy enough to stand before God and say, of course you should accept me because of my own works, because of my goodness. The Bible says sin separates us from the Lord, that the wages of sin is actually death. And all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we all need a savior. And there's only one. And his name is Jesus. Can I get an amen to that, everybody? And we need to remember that. And we need to live that out. So the the church, number four, the church was never meant to be a drawing agent as much as a sending agent. And I know a lot of people are thinking, well, boy, in fact, I I have talked with multiple pastors Thankfully, about half of them have come to realize it, but another half of them that I've spoken to, as I train other pastors and mentor other pastors, a lot of them think something that just isn't right, that if I build a new building, surely people will come. If I build a new building, there will be a revival that breaks out in my city. If, if, If I have these incredible facilities, surely hundreds upon hundreds of people will come to my church. And what they're thinking is wrong. They're thinking that the church is the drawing agent, but the church is actually the sending agent. the the bible never commands lost people those people who don't know jesus the bible never commands people who don't know jesus to go to church he tells the church to go to them that's the way it works and the days of building buildings expecting people to come to jesus i'm telling you it's just it's just ludicrous everybody it doesn't work and i warned you guys all all of you we, we had meetings about this and 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 sermons about this where I tell you, hey, we're about to build a new building. This is three and a half years ago. We're about to move into a new building. But let me tell you something. New buildings don't win people to Jesus. People win people to Jesus. It's not about a building. Buildings are fine. But you know what we did in this building? We kept the cost down as much as we possibly could. Why? Because buildings don't win people to Jesus. It's not meant to draw people to Jesus. People win people. God doesn't use buildings To win people to himself, he uses you. He uses his church. And it's been said that we are plan A in reaching lost people for Jesus and telling others about Jesus. We're plan A and there is no plan B. We're it. The church in the world today representing the Lord Jesus Christ, we're it. So the church was never meant to be a drawing agent as much as a sending agent. Let me show you this in scripture. Luke 14, 23, then the master told his servant, go out, just go to the roads and the country lanes. And I, I really believe that that's to the cities and the countryside, everywhere. And we're, we're more of, here in Plymouth, we're more of the country lanes. Can I be honest with you? We're more of the country lanes and I'm okay with that. But go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Compel them. Compel them to come into the family of God. John 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among those disciples and he said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And he did that, everybody, because the resurrection had just taken place. So one of the first conversations he has with his disciples is this moment. And he has to prove to them, look, I am Jesus. I'm just raised from the dead. It it really is me. Look Look at my hands. Look at my side. It's really me. And he says it again, peace be with you. And the disciples were overjoyed. Because it's really Jesus. And they were feeling at ease. They were starting to feel at peace with him. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. One of the first things he says after his resurrection, he hasn't ascended up into the heavens yet. He hasn't ascended to be seated at the right hand of God as of yet. And yet, the first thing he says is that, hey, you're going to have to go out. I'm sending you. Let's look at another portion of scripture, Matthew chapter 28. Verse 19 says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So after his resurrection, proving himself to be the Messiah, the first thing he says is, now go, I'm sending you. And the very last thing he says before he ascends into heaven is, hey, by the way, now it's time to go. I'm sending you. Well, well, I just always thought if I just show up every Sunday, everybody will come. No, that's not the way it works. We're meant to go. Well, pastor, I'm an introvert. That's just not my calling. Can I tell you something about that? Everybody look at your pastor. If you've ever thought that thought, if you've ever believed that thought, you have believed a lie. The enemy would love to convince you. Well, that's not really your calling because you're an introvert. You have to leave that to guys like Pastor Justin, who's an extrovert. It's just not your calling. Well, I'm just, not, I'm just not built that way. Did you know that the Bible, the Bible says that every single one of us are ministers of reconciliation. That means every single one of us have been called by God to share the, to share the, the good news of Jesus with as many people as possible. Whether you're an introvert or, or, or an extrovert, it doesn't matter. You have been called to do it. The problem is, the problem is, you're not considering the reality of heaven and the reality of hell and the finality of heaven and the finality of hell. For instance, I just saw this on the news uh, a day or two ago. Maybe you guys did too. If you have Fox News app, it was on there that that a lady was caught on this ring doorbell, this videotape, like waking up the the people inside because their house was on fire. Their house was on fire. She's like, hey, wake up, wake up. Your house is on fire. Okay, okay. If your neighbor's house is on fire and you see it, would you ever say, well, I'm an introvert? <laughs> hey, Pastor Justin, I have some friends over here, my neighbors, their house is on fire, but I'm not really called to do that. Could, could you come and um, you know wake them up? And everybody would look at you like you're crazy. And the fact that the devil has convinced you that you're an introvert, therefore you don't have to say anything. You don't have to share the good news of Jesus. You are believing a lie from the enemy. Because Jesus says, when those opportunity happens, I will give you the gift of my spirit who will speak through you. And you'll know what to say when the time is right. But you gotta trust me that I'll be there. Would you stand up with me? I have one question to ask. And I'm not asking your, your spouse this. I'm not asking your children or, or your parents or your siblings or your, your, your great-aunt Broomhilda. I'm asking you. Are you, and don't lie, don't answer out loud, please, but don't lie to yourself. Are you a passionately devoted follower of Christ? Now answer that honestly. Are you passionately devoted to Christ? I'm not asking you if you're just a Christian. I'm asking you, do you think God thoughts all day long? Are you living out the word of God to the very best of your ability? Or do you find it easy to make excuses as, as to why you're not going to embrace God's design? Do you find it easy to make excuses? Well, you know, it's been a long week. I'm not going to go to church today. Well, I'm really tired. I, I don't have to read my Bible today. Well, I, I prayed this morning. Before I went to work for you know a few seconds, I'm just, go to, I'm just gonna go to bed tonight. Or I I don't I don't really have to share my faith because I'm just an introvert. That's not really my calling. Let me ask you a question. Are you passionately devoted to Christ? And if you're not, I highly doubt that you're going to point a lot of people to Jesus. And I'm just being honest with you. Just listen to your pastor. I wouldn't lie to you. If you say, I don't really point anybody to Jesus, can I ask you a question then? Are you truly passionately devoted to him? Because if you're passionately devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be passionately devoted to others. How do I know? The Bible says as Christians, we love God with all of our heart and we love others next. We love our neighbors as ourselves. That we love God and we love people and we're passionately devoted to God. And because we're passionately devoted to God and we are a reflection of God in this world, then we are passionately devoted to others. Are you? Because it might be time. to get that straight first. Because before we can be the witnesses that God wants us to be, before we can point a lot of people to Jesus the way that we're supposed to, we need to be all in in our relationship with the Lord. No holding back, no messing around. I'm all in. And I'm calling you to it. Pastor, my toes hurt. I don't care. Because this is a word from the Lord. And you know it's true. You know I'm not lying to you. Pastor, you're stepping on my toes. I know. And I'm sorry you made me do it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I love you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be saying these things if I didn't love you the way that I do. Let's bow our heads in them, And I'm going to ask you a question, that same question. Are you passionately devoted to Jesus? Are you really? And if you're not, and you're just ready to be, Pastor, I've just been messing this thing up and I'm ready to go all in. Nobody looking around. This is a very, very personal moment. Would would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I got to get this right. Raise your hand, just hold it really high. You don't have to keep it up for a long time. Just let me see. Lots of hands. Now, if you've been, you can put your hands down. Maybe you've been convincing yourself, well, I'm an introvert. It's just not my job. We're going to deal with that too. Because maybe you are devoted to Christ. You you just just thought you couldn't do it. We're going to deal with that right here. I'd like every person to open up their hands toward heaven. As we pray, Heavenly Father, we come before you. Believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. I believe it. I know it. And today, I make a decision to go all in with you. I'm all in. To live a life that is passionately devoted to you to allow you to move in my heart. Lord, give me ears to hear what you would say. Give me a heart to receive your word, to be changed by your power, and by your presence, and by your spirit. God, I renounce being lukewarm, I renounce mediocrity. I understand today that you did not call me to be a lukewarm Christian. You didn't call me just to be the the average Christian here in America. That is not what you called me to be. You, you didn't call anybody, any of us, to be anything but passionately devoted to you, all in to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and strength and mind and soul everything that we have to love you first and foremost and then to love others so today I renounce my mediocrity and I make a decision today I'm all in use me for the glory of your name Use me for the expansion of your kingdom. Help me to point people to Jesus, to speak words of life and words of hope. And may your kingdom be expanded in north central Indiana more than we could ever think or imagine. And may the lost people who don't know you, may they come to know you as Savior. Lord, I pray, use new song, church, like never before. We cry out to you, O God. Here we are. Send us. And we will go. Because we love you. And we love others. And we pray it all. In Jesus' name, the strong Son of God. And if you prayed that with all of your heart, say a big amen. Amen. New song, I love you. Don't miss next Sunday, but I shouldn't have to tell you that. Let's go all in. And this week, you're going to be tempted to go back into a life of mediocrity, of lukewarmness. Don't do it. Don't you do it. You move forward in faith with a deep love for God. God bless you guys. I love you.
0: As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect